Hey, so I imagine you're listening to this podcast because you're an artist yourself and you want some insider tips, insights, and general advice from artists you respect. One aspect of the business we sometimes discuss on Best Advice is rollout strategies. When you're dropping new music, you want to give it the best chance of getting heard. It's all about reaching the right listeners at the right time. That's why our team at Spotify for Artists built Marquee. Marquee is a marketing tool for turning listeners into bigger fans of your new music. With Marquee, you can send full screen recommendations of your latest album, EP, or single to the right fans as soon as they open the app. Listeners who see your Marquee are twice as likely to save your tracks, making it a better way to develop your audience than trying to drive streams from social media. To find out more, go to artists.spotify.com slash marquee. Welcome to The Payoff. I'm Antonia Cerejida. And I'm Chris Duffy. This show is your audio companion to all of Mike's money and personal finance coverage on the web at mike.com slash payoff. This week, it's time to talk about how to get healthy without going broke. Yes, this is so key. It seems like we're constantly bombarded with pushes to, quote, get well and find avenues to self-care. But also, those options are always, like, expensive AF. For sure. Like, there's Gwyneth Paltrow and her whole goop thing where you can get some crazy stuff. And this is real. This is a quote from their website. A jade egg for your yoni for only $66. <laughs> what is your yoni? Trust me, we can't talk about that on this <laughs> podcast. Um, okay, so that's both crazy and stupid. But <laughs> wellness and taking care of yourself are actually important. It doesn't have to be expensive and stupid. And so this week, we're going to help you figure out how to be full of wellness without emptying your pocketbook. In our first segment, Chris and I are going to walk you through some simple tricks you can use to avoid paying too much for healthy food at the grocery store. And then we're going to sit down to speak with a wellness expert, someone who is about our age and has gone through this whole journey herself. Stick around. Okay, so I love supermarkets. I don't know how you feel about them. I don't love supermarkets. Really? Yeah, I think like a lot of people, it feels like a chore that can be brutal and time-consuming and expensive. Okay, but do you not get like emotional when you see things well, like well stacked? (laughs) Okay, I will admit there's some aesthetic beauty in the grocery store. Oh my God, when I see like like things well organized on the shelves that like lose my mind. I think it's amazing. Yeah. Well, I, I think there is that good thing about grocery store, but I think the hard thing is that a lot of times you go in and it feels like the cheap things are very bad for you and the healthy things are too expensive. Yeah, that's true. And also I think it's hard to find good produce Yes. At a reasonable price. And that's why, and it also depends on where you shop, right? I mean, a lot of people go to Whole Foods, but Whole Foods is very expensive. So I work up in Harlem mm-hmm. and they just opened a Whole Foods which was a very, it's an interesting cultural thing to have happened. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of pushback, but also I go and it's packed with people because there are few options, but it's so expensive. And I think that it's really hard in, in a city or anywhere really to find this like perfect balance between healthy and not breaking the bank. Yeah. So when you're in the grocery store and you're admiring how well they've stacked their items, how can you save money while you're still getting healthy food? Luckily, we have some tips from the financial experts and journalists here at The Payoff. A treasure trove. A treasure trove. A treasure trove. The financial experts here have been diving into how you can save money when you're getting groceries. So one thing that I learned is that uh, I think we all know that organic food can sometimes be more expensive than conventional food. But depending on the food item, it is a big difference in how much more expensive. 
So on average, it's 47% more expensive to get organic food, but it can be healthier. It can sometimes taste better. However, for certain foods, this is something that I learned. According to Food Business News, foods like spinach, granola, and carrots, the price premium is actually significantly lower than for others. So the big jump in cost is going to be if you go from conventional coffee, yogurt, milk, or eggs to organic. That's where those are much more expensive. But for something like spinach, not going to make that much of a difference. So basically you're saying... Don't make everything you have organic. Just have some of the things be organic. I think it's think about where you care about getting organic food from. And, you know, it used to be that you could only get organic foods at a place like Whole Foods. But now places like Kroger, Walmart, Costco, they've all joined the organic movement. I love Costco. Me too. I am a big fan. Do you see there was a woman who got married in a Costco? No, but that's incredible. Yeah, it was a really solid wedding. I moved to California when I was a kid and... How did you even go to Costco? You're from New York. Yeah, there's Costco in New York. There's one in Queens and there's one in uh, Upper Manhattan. I don't know. But I like literally danced down the aisles. I was like, this is a <laughs> magical place that is giving me free food. Anyway, moving on. Tip number two to buying healthy and not expensive foods is embrace frozen produce. There is nothing that will kill your buzz more than opening your produce drawer and find wilted or worse, moldy fruits and veggies that you just dropped a ton of money to buy. This is so true for me. I've, I like always buy produce that goes bad. It just feels like such a personal loss, right? Like just a failure on every level when you open the door and you're like, I spent money on it. I didn't eat healthy and now it's garbage. Oh, you're so right. The average family ends up tossing nearly 1500 worth of food every year. Oh, that hurts. That's bad. That's a lot of money. $1,500. Mm. And that's according to Consumer Reports. So one way to stretch your dollar is to purchase frozen fruits, vegetables, and even lean meat or seafood. I actually think that for the most part, especially if you're like baking them in something or, you know, you're not just eating them as like what on the side. What veggies are you baking? Like if you make like a pot pie or, yeah. I don't know. I, I don't do that. I don't know why <laughs> like, I said I mean, that as though it's a thing I do. Yeah, like a stir fry with frozen veggies, yeah, I think tastes the same. amazing. Here's another good tip. <laughs> speaking of that, you could use couponing apps. So uh, couponing is a way that you can knock some serious cash off your bill. According to NBC, there is a mom named Jenny Martin. She's a money-saving mom. And she eliminated $5,000 from her annual grocery bill by using smartphone apps like Saving Star, Ibotta, Checkout 51, and MobiSave. Or there's another coupon app called Flip, which matches coupons to your grocery items. And I'm going to tell you, I have never heard of any of those apps. It literally <laughs> sounded like I was reading a list of made-up words. But apparently those can uh, all save you money in the grocery store. <laughs> Saving Star, Ibotta, I, I bought, oh, I get what I bought it is. What a pun. So you can use those couponing apps to save money at the checkout line. And the last tip that we found is to buy non-perishable items online. Yeah. So apparently many non, non-perishable items are better priced through an online retailer such as Amazon. Uh, so snack bars, coffee, healthy beverages, pasta, baby food, all those sorts of things. You can order them online through Amazon and then it's cheaper. Yeah. Also, those are a lot of things that you can sometimes save money on by buying in bulk, right? Like that's like I get more toilet paper than I could ever use in a lifetime from Costco. Where do you store it? Uh, My bathroom is just made of toilet paper, basically. (laughs) (laughs) There's just a giant Costco size one sitting in there right now. Oh, and guess what? What? We have a bonus tip. Bonus tip. (laughs) Oh, I can't wait to hear it. Okay, watch for crafty placement at the grocery store as grocers will place enticing items at the checkout where you may be bored while waiting in line and feel the need to impulse buy. Oh, yeah, I see this every single time. You know who is the worst at this? I love I love Trader Joe's, but they literally make you like line up and walk by. They're like, and chocolate and other shape of chocolate and look at all these dried fruits. And every one of them is like the pricier items been small, but 
They all look so good. My most recent trip to Whole Foods, I was actually disappointed in their selection of like, I was like, I don't want any of these guilty pleasures. Oh, you felt like you weren't tempted quite enough. I was like, you're doing this all wrong. Send me the things I want. Yeah. But then I was like, you're doing this all right because snacking is a dangerous thing. Yeah. Well, I feel like these actually are real tips where you can save a lot of money. And I mean, everyone has this weekly and monthly cost of buying food. You have to just keep doing it. So if you can change <laughs> or some it. some of us have a wife that goes and purchases groceries. You have a wife that purchases groceries? Because <laughs> this is my job in my house. Do you purchase the groceries yeah. for your baked vegetables? I, I buy all of our baked vegetables and, and then I cook. Stick around because when we come back, we're going to talk to someone who knows much more delicious sounding recipes than I do. She is a private chef and a wellness expert with a new book out now. Stick around for our interview with Phoebe Lapine. Welcome back. So we all know it's important to eat right and stay healthy, but sometimes it feels impossible to do that without winning the lottery. So how do you stay healthy without breaking the bank? To answer that question, we turn to Phoebe Lapine, a cookbook author, private chef, and food personality. Phoebe's new book, The Wellness Project, chronicles her journey with Hashimoto's thyroiditis and how she finally found the middle ground between health and hedonism by making one lifestyle change one month at a time. It's part memoir, part wellness primer. And you can also find Phoebe's recipes, food tips, and more on her website, Feed Me Phoebe, and her Instagram, which I just discovered, and the pictures are beautiful. What is the Instagram? It's just my name, Phoebe okay. Lapine. Phoebe Lapine. Well, Phoebe, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. Um, so, Phoebe, first, can you tell us uh, about your book? What is uh, The Wellness Project? Okay. So, The Wellness Project was kind of seven years in the making um, after a few big aha moments around my health. I was diagnosed with an autoimmune disease, as you mentioned, Hashimoto's thyroiditis, kind of a mouthful, when I was 22 and kind of spent, you know, the first few years of that process in denial and doing nothing. And then once I kind of jumped down the wellness rabbit hole, um, maybe like the pendulum swang a little bit too far to the obsession side. Um, so eventually kind of when I was, you know, trying on all these things for size anyway and feeling really guilty about all the choices that I wasn't able to maintain my life and still having you know, wonderful symptoms like beautiful face rash that would just appear on my face and not go away. Um, I eventually decided I need to take a step back and kind of zoom out again and figure out what kind of the building blocks are for feeling quote unquote well. And so I designed this kind of year long curriculum for myself, inspired partly by Gretchen Rubin's book, The Happiness Project, if mm -hmm. any of this sounds familiar. I love it. And the idea was not necessarily to be my healthiest self on paper, but really to kind of figure out that that tricky um, middle ground, which I call healthy hedonism, but what others may just call balance. Um, <laughs> so in order to do that, I kind of um, made one lifestyle change one month at a time, but everything from sleep to eating, of course, hydration, stress management, just kind of this 360 approach to wellness that I maybe hadn't really um Oh my God, now I want to know about like hydration specifically and like all of the things like. Oh, yeah. You got to yeah. read the book. It's great. I've read it. I've read the whole thing cover to cover. Loved it. Oh, thanks, also, Chris. I'm also on the email list. Thanks. Yeah. 
So this podcast is about money and financial mm-hmm. planning. When you found out that you had this condition, were you worried at all financially or did, did that have to change your budget or what was the the money financial aspect to all this? Yeah. So I definitely did consider financial wellness as a serious part of mm. like my whole wellness picture. And it actually, I mean, one of the reasons why I did the project and wrote the book is that I figured I felt like it was something that all these other practitioners in the space just weren't acknowledging. Everything was, you know, this 30-day protocol or, you know, go get your, like, vagina steamed. And, (laughs) um, I mean, it's all great. There are so many amazing practices out there. agree to disagree about some parts of it. It's all great. (laughs) It's all great. (laughs) Yeah. It's all good. I think doctors have disagreed about the steaming, but, you know. (laughs) Yes. Um, But, no, I mean, it can really, like, you can bleed a lot of green on green juice, uh, among other things. Like mm-hmm. Wow, had you said that line before? I have. <laughs> yeah. It's a great line. I've written that line. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, I mean, I was actually spending a tremendous amount of money on my health, both between, you know, the doctors I was seeing and the supplements they were prescribing and just like this laundry list of lifestyle and dietary labor that they were recommending to me. And that was part of the problem, too, is that, you know, I had kind of done um, – the traditional Western medicine side of things where they told me, you know, it's no big deal. Just you'll have to be on a pill for the rest of your life. And I was like, la, 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 and went on living my life. Um, And then, you know, the holistic side um, is great. It's amazing that people acknowledge, you know, diet and lifestyle changes as a means to to heal yourself versus just taking a pill. But a lot of the doctors I saw were were very extreme. And, you know, their protocols, their prescription wasn't necessarily like on a pad, but it was it was very overwhelming and seeing them was very expensive. And I just kind of felt like I needed to create some sort of roadmap because, you know, between with all of these other approaches, I was never given one. Um, So Actually, the wellness project in some ways was just making good on some of the recommendations that I had been given over the years, but doing it in the slow and steady way that I think is, you know, how you can really create a sustainable habit for the long term, but more importantly, so it can be affordable. Yeah. Um, So I kind of, you know, going into it was like, okay, there's going to be this kind of wellness slush fund for the year. And I kind of put my marker at like 150 bucks a month, which, you know, might be a lot for some people, might, you know, be a drop in the pail for others. But it was really, you know, so I can kind of figure out, you know, like my investment strategy over the course of this project. And some months, you know, for example, I actually switched all of my personal care products from generic chemical ridden options to natural, um, sometimes organic options. And that definitely, you know, took some upfront investment, but it was something that paid off throughout the year. And it was also one time change that I didn't really have to think about again. Mm -hmm. Um, And that month particularly, um, because I'd say other months like sleep month and, you know, some of these other things, I specifically tried to identify the experiment that wouldn't cost any money. Yeah. Because... So which one was that? Um, I mean, sleep sleeping for eight hours a night like shouldn't really cost you any money. Yeah. Um, was I, it hard to do? Uh, it was very hard to do. Really? Uh, yes. And I actually did spend some money. <laughs> <laughs> I found I kind of like diagnosed my problem. Well, I had, I've had insomnia for many years, um, but I actually did a CBT. CBT? No. CBT. Yeah. 
cognitive behavioral therapy. Yeah, the CBT for insomnia program, um, which was like a $30 ebook. So definitely didn't break break my slush fund bank <laughs> yeah. on that yeah, one. Yeah. And I wasn't trying to spend 150 bucks a month. But um, another one, actually hydration in theory should have been a month that was free. But as I kind of, you know, really dove down the rabbit hole on that one. Once I kind of got myself on board with drinking enough water every day and your daily quota is taking your body weight in ounces and divided it by two. Um, so if you weigh 120 you drink- pounds, 60 ounces of water a day. In it's ounces. Not, it's, yeah, it's not. Oh my god! I was like, was doing very yeah. terrible math in my head. You have to drink 120 pounds. <laughs> you know what of I water. thought you were doing? I thought you were converting your weight. I think that might kill you if you drink your body weight in water. <laughs> I thought you were just like taking your pounds and putting that, like figuring out the ounces and then cutting that. In, it's like no. get into a bathtub and then <laughs> yeah, drink, drink that it. bathtub dry. <laughs> Right. Okay. So anyway, once we got, you know, through the math, the hard, yeah. the hard math <laughs> on that one, um, that wasn't a, a hard habit for me to adopt. But then doing more research behind like kind of autoimmune disease, there are some ingredients in our, our lovely municipal tap water that isn't so healthy for someone who's extremely sensitive like myself. Um, so then I started, you know, trying to figure out, OK, well, is bottled water better? No. Um, okay, so it's filtered water, and that's better for the environment anyway, so mm-hmm. fantastic. So what kind of filter is actually going to be the one that is effective? Um, you know, standard pitcher filters, even though they're the cheapest option, actually doesn't don't usually um, rid you of the worst contaminants. And you have to change the filter every two mm-hmm. months, which most people don't do. But if you add it up, it usually is even more expensive than a different kind of filter that only needs to be replaced once a year, but maybe is a little bit more expensive up front. So is that, do you put that on your your tap? Sink? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's easier too. I mean, just to be able to flick a switch on your sink and fill your glass up with water versus yeah. the endless refilling of the pitcher. Um, so yeah, so that was somewhere I didn't break my, I didn't go over my, my budget on that one, but I spent a hundred dollars on, on a filter. So we've been talking a little bit about like the wellness side of this, but you're mm-hmm. also obviously a chef and someone who yes. is known a lot for your recipes and your food. Um, how do you think about eating right and getting healthy food without it being too expensive? Because I know that's often one of the complaints that people have about eating healthy. Oh, definitely. And before I like got into this whole, well, I was exploring the wellness thing behind the scenes for a while, but just in my food work, trying to, you know, explain to people that it isn't actually more expensive to cook. I mean, people who do so for their families have realized this. People in New York City who are addicted to Seamless Web and now yeah. many other apps yeah. uh, perhaps, you know, would disagree with that. But um, so in terms, I'm I'm not a stickler for perfection, obviously, hence this project. Um, but I think, you know, in general, instead of getting bogged down by the specifics and, you know, what is healthy eating because it is extremely individual. I do believe that if you cook anything for yourself, it's going to be automatically healthier than anything you get, um, you know, that you have not witnessed the Mm. pat of butter going into. Um, Even if you put the pat of butter in at home, there's agency there. There's accountability within yourself. Exactly. Um, And especially, you know, when it comes to packaged foods, you know, industrial mixers and factories add a lot of, you know, creepy things in there that the ordinary home cook would never, would never dabble in. So um, I think, you know, kind of the, the first hurdle um, for building a habit of home cooking and certainly building the habit of home cooking is what makes it more affordable, um, is simply 
yeah, like learn, like committing to it and actually, you know, buying the groceries from week to week, making them stretch. Um, I'm a big fan of, of batch cooking, meal prep. A lot of people talk about that now. And it was actually one of my experiments in the book because though I was cooking for other people on the reg as a private chef in the city, I was not actually like practicing what I preached all the time on myself mm. and was, you know, getting home at the end of the day, having stood in a kitchen, chopping all night and then doing what, you know, any lazy, exhausted person would do. I would order Thai food. Yeah. And <laughs> <laughs> we talked about my love of rice yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I think, you know, it's unrealistic, especially, you know, for people who work hard um, and have limited budgets as well. So like your average 20 something um, to expect to, you know, whip up like a gourmet meal on a weeknight. But setting aside maybe two hours, three hours on a weekend and just committing to buying some groceries, making some things start to finish and then, you know, brown bagging them for the week ahead um, or fixing them at night. Everyone's schedules are constantly changing. So I actually think like brown bagging it is a good entry level um, way of, you know, using up your leftovers or intentional leftovers if you're meal prepping. Hmm. One thing that I'm excited I get to talk about because I dealt with a really dire situation yesterday, which is I've been doing I've actually been brown bagging my lunch recently. And what one thing I've been doing is I've been actually buying a lot of the groceries close. I work really far from where I from where I live and so I'll like make quinoa at home and then bring it to work and then buy vegetables to, like put in a salad mm. around where I am but one thing that I love to put in my salads is avocado and I could not find a ripe avocado to save my life and then I found one and it was three dollars mm. and why are avocados so expensive is really what I'm trying to get at. You're from California, so this must be painful for you. Yeah, I was going to say that's some important context, but you already deduced it just by context clues. <laughs> yes. Complaining about avocados. Because they come from are California. Are you guys not as upset about the avocado situation as I am? It seems like a fancy vegetable to me or fruit, whatever it is. You think of avocados as a fancy vegetable? Yeah, it's like, oh, like a high end, you know, an avocado. You can afford avocado. Oh, really? Yeah. Mm. Oh, okay. We don't just have them grown on trees. It's true. Yeah. I mean, I guess anywhere that you have an avocado, they grew on a tree. But so this is not as apocalyptic as I'm making it seem. I mean, three dollars for an avocado is like an outrageous amount of money for. That's crazy. Yeah. I'm wondering where you bought this, but um... how much could a banana cost these days? Ten dollars. <laughs> Someone really cooks for himself. That's I mean... a Arrested Development line, oh, but still, damn. yeah. I can't explain why avocados are expensive, except for that they're. <laughs> they must include the airfare from California. <laughs> yeah. And will be cheaper over there. No, there's a shortage. But I do feel like avocado is like one of those things where like you look up at one of those beautiful Instagrams that has like all these amazing recipes and it's like the number one ingredient. And mm -hmm. I feel like there are a lot of like sh schmancy vegetables in all of these like healthy uh, Instagrams. Like what are some not schmancy vegetables that are healthy that people can make? fancy looking foods with okay i mean all vegetables are healthy let's just put that out there so long as you know said vegetables like agree with your body you know okay. some people have nightshade issues you know some people are just have like random food allergies um so but you know by and large you know if we're kind of cross-referencing like every diet under the sun i think most people can agree that like just eat vegetables and vegetables are good yeah like if you just eat more vegetables and like you'll be on the right track mm -hmm. um 
So I don't know. I mean, the funny thing is that kale has become so trendy in the last five years. And kale is like kind of like a humble, like it's in a lot of like Tuscan peasant food. Yeah. Um, but even that, like, I know that that's supposed to sound down to earth, but Tuscan peasant yeah, food sounds so fancy. I mean, <laughs> peasant food has become very like if, fancy. If you got to be, yeah. be a peasant somewhere, Tuscany is the place yeah. to do it. Yeah. Cucina Pavara. Yeah. That's a, sol- <laughs> that's a solid spot to be a peasant. <laughs> I know. Yeah. You just drink it's wine. Like, you don't hear a lot about like Russian peasant food. You know? No. Like that's, that's like true. Mm, that's a rough place to be a peasant. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. So speaking of Russian peasant food, I think beets are a very elegant vegetable. And mm. so going back actually to, you know, the vegetables are good for you, like just stick with that. Um, you know, for me in in the autoimmune community, a lot of people talk about anti-inflammatory diets and what is that and again if you cross-reference like everyone's interpretation of a anti-inflammatory diet pretty much like the only ingredient that you're allowed is blueberries um (laughs) so when i kind of applied it to my life um a practitioner i was working with she was like okay well like let's simplify it why don't you just think about eating for color because you know, usually those hues and fruits and vegetables are a good indicator of, you know, antioxidants and such. And, you know, eating a variety of different colors means you're getting a variety of different nutrients. You can also, you know, think of it in the sense of like, go brown rice versus white rice Mm. and just like kind of avoiding white foods. Um, But beets, you know, are as vibrant as they come. So, um, and they are incredibly good for you. And I think by virtue of their color, very elegant. So I don't know. I would also say just like, don't get too wrapped up in all the pretty things happening on Instagram. Because again, and like I was totally guilty of this prior to starting my wellness project. It just really distracts from like (laughs) the true like heart of what it takes to be well. Like you really don't have to eat avocado toast or like crazy smoothie bowls with like 50 ingredients on them because those smoothie bowls let me tell you they cost a (laughs) hundred dollars like they're you know bloggers on instagram who make smoothies with literally ground up pearls in them (laughs) wow that also they're so healthy ground up pearls sounds like it would be painful to eat that doesn't sound delicious at all apparently it's it's very good for you i can't i can't report on uh the nutrient benefits because Wait. i will never buy that yeah. hold up there is actually a smoothie bowl made with ground pearls on ground Instagram. pearls is like an ingredient it's like a thing right it's now that people are food. yeah that is oh wild well um one of the things that i sincerely that i admire both about your book and about all of the stuff that you've done is it's not about being perfect like you said it's about these attainable goals where it's like just try and do a little bit better and it's not like you only have to be healthy you can also have fun and like have a glass of wine and go out it's just like trying to find balance between the two which is you know in your book you call it healthy hedonism it it seems like that's a little bit more attainable for people who are trying to do this right and I, i think that probably also makes it more affordable is that is that true it definitely makes it more affordable i mean even just on the healthy eating front so much of you know finding success over time is setting yourself up for success at home and you know not everyone can just like throw out their entire pantry and replace it with like whole foods overnight um it can be a process of like slowly um swapping things in and out it's certainly the way i approached my my bathroom cabinet um you know it had been very expensive to throw everything away and replace it all immediately up front and i did with a few choice products but other things i just let them as they run out get replaced um so that can be true you know on the food front for sure and then 
yeah, I mean, it, it's overwhelming for your wallet and just like overwhelming emotionally to try and, you know, it's bite, literally biting off more than you can chew. And that's honestly the reason why so many New Year's resolutions fail, because people don't just choose one thing. They yeah. have an entire page of things that they want to do. And I think the statistic when I was writing the book was probably, I think, back in 2014, but 94 percent of people do not keep their New Year's resolutions. So maybe it's 92 percent. I don't know. You have to <laughs> Either way, check it's me. bad. It's bad. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> My New Year's resolution was to know accurate statistics. Really? No. <laughs> How could that possibly be real in this context? <laughs> <laughs> That's why. Yeah. I, I had doubts. Yep. <laughs> um, so what, so you travel a lot for the work that you do. So does Chris. And so do I sometimes. And I think it's really hard, especially when you're like on the road to eat healthy and to mm-hmm. to take care of yourself. What are some tricks and tips that you have? Um, I definitely end up spending more when I'm traveling, I think, because now now that I'm on the other side of this weird health odyssey, I just know how important it is to, you know, have my toolkit at the ready. And if I'm going to be run down and overscheduled and not getting enough sleep and like I don't know, just feeling very, like, parched from the airplane. Um, You know, maybe that is a day when I do need a green juice because um, I don't have access to a kitchen and I need something that's just going to, like, bang out some, like, bang some vegetables into my my system in a, you know, a convenient, um, consolidated way. Um, So, I don't know. I mean, being healthy besides that... I find it honestly very hard to like keep up with my daily habits. I try and meditate every morning and when I'm traveling, like, I don't know, just even waking up in a different bed, Mm. um, that's hard for me. But I think, yeah, just trying to build in some time for self-care, be it like as silly as it sounds, like a bath in your hotel room, like before you go out that night, um, just like little simple ways to reset and then also just not having like crazy travel like appetite like I don't know when when I used to travel to new cities I wanted to taste like the best of the best of everything Mm. and to have like five meals a day instead of you know two to three and now I've like I've checked myself a little bit and I try and stick closer to you know my eating habits at home especially because they are eaten out so yeah I definitely, that all sounds really true to me, except you must be staying in nicer hotels than I am because the idea of taking a bath in any hotel I've stayed in (laughs) does not sound healthy in any way. Well, I usually stay with- Sounds like a way to contract an incurable disease. (laughs) I stay with friends. Oh yeah, that's a lot nicer. I'm thinking, because I know you just got back from LA and I was thinking about the last time I was in LA and it was at my uncle's house, so. Yeah, I wouldn't have- And you took a bath there? Yeah, I took a bath. I definitely tried not to touch anything in the bathroom. I was about to be like, you took a bath. My- I've, there's a f- story of my dad where my aunt always tells it how she, he was visiting my aunt's best friend and she had to take like an important phone call and she was like, I'm sorry, do you mind? Like I have to take this call. And he's like, yeah, sure, go ahead. And then when she got off the call, she couldn't find him and it was because he was taking a bubble bath. <laughs> <laughs> and like the idea that my dad was just like, I'm going to just take a bubble bath in the middle of this like dinner. Uh, and I asked him, I was like, why did you think you could do that? Like, what was, and he was like, my favorite brand of bubble bath is right there. I was like, who has a favorite brand of bubble bath? That's... But my dad has been on the self-care trip way before I anyone. was going to say, I mean, now in this day and age, he could just be like, self-care. Yeah. <laughs> it's a healthy catch-all for whatever you want to do. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, sincerely, Phoebe, thank you so much for being on the show. And I, I cannot recommend, uh, The Wellness Project enough. It is really a fantastic book. And- 
feedmephoebe.com. That's the website that you can go to sign up for her mailing list and see all the recipes that uh, she puts out that are delicious and wonderful. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, guys. And that's it for this episode. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Our theme music is from Breakmaster Cylinder, and our producer is Alan Haverchuk. Thank you, Alan, and thanks, everyone, for listening. If you want to help the show, you can do that by going to Apple Podcasts and leaving a review for The Payoff. Also, if you have questions about your own money, please send them to us at payoffpod at mike.com. Lastly, you can find out more about us on Twitter at payoffbymike or online at mike.com slash payoff. See you next time.